Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we will be reading starting in verse 7 through verse 9. Uh, this is a very interesting set of scriptures that I've read many times, but I've never preached out of, and I've been wanting to for quite some time now, and it's, it's a great text. I believe God is going to speak to us, and I've titled this message, Learning to Lean, Learning to Lean. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down, write that down, but it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 7, the second part of it, Paul says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, watch this, a messenger of who? Of Satan, that's important, to torment me. Verse eight, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Verse nine, but he said to me, my grace is what? Sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Learning to lean. We have four kids. We have a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 2-year-old. We spread them out a little bit with that 2-year-old. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you'll have a little surprise in your family. Our 2-year-old, his name is Samuel, and he is just, he's the best. I I'm just, I love Samuel. I'll be about 70 when he graduates high school, <laughs> but he's still the best. And he's just the sweetest baby. I mean, he's just full of life. All the nursery workers, they just love him. I mean, he's just awesome. I love all my kids, but I really like Samuel. <laughs> but somebody said, wow, I'm just keeping it real. <laughs> Samuel, though, he, he, is, he is into everything. Y'all had toddlers like that. Like, they just, they into everything. I, we cannot leave Samuel or he'll be climbing up anything in our house that he can climb. We'll come in and we'll find him on top of our kitchen table, just standing there. And, and clothes are optional with Samuel. <laughs> he'll just be standing there, just loving life. Or he'll, he'll climb up on the kitchen counter or the island in the kitchen. I mean, he's just a climber. He's very athletic, very athletic. Like his father before him, you know, just, he just gets, <laughs> gets it honest. But he, he's just everywhere. And it's funny when, when you have a toddler, like, you see them, and they're trying to discover what they can lean on, what will support their weight. And, and they, they learn the hard way, don't they? They'll, they'll lean on something, and it's not stable enough, and they'll just, boom, fall over. And Samuel will go, and he'll, a door will be open, and he'll, he'll lean on that door, and what happens? He, he falls over because the door is open. It can't support his weight. He has this little plastic tricycle that he rides around the house, and he just loves it, and sometimes he'll try to lean on it, and that little tricycle just tips over because it wasn't made to hold him as far as leaning on it. But I want to tell you something. Us as followers of Christ, it's imperative that we know who and what to lean on in our life. We live in a world that has some chaos in it. Can I get a good amen this morning? A world that has a lot of stuff happen, a lot of things thrown at you, and I'm telling you, You've got to know what will sustain the weight of your life, what can hold you, 
what won't hold you. How many of you have learned the hard way what does not sustain you? And Paul in this text, he's talking to us about a sustaining power that you have to lean into. When the storms hit, and I promise you, they will hit you. They will come. And you don't always know when they're going to come. But you got to know where you're going to lean when they do come. And Paul talks to talk about this thorn in his flesh. And it's interesting. There's been so much dialogue and conversation about what this thorn was. I've heard a lot of people spend a lot of time talking about, man, was this a physical element that he had? You know, in the book of Galatians, Paul talks about there's this impairment he had with his eyes, and he makes mention that the church in Galatia, if they could have, they would have given them given him their very eyes. So maybe it was his eyes. Other people think it was maybe a spiritual affliction that was happening to him. Some people believe it was a person, uh, somebody that was sent from Satan. How many of you have some of those in your life? Man, this is some Satan right here, this person. And there's all this talk and dialogue. Man, was it spiritual? Was it physical? Was it emotional? Was it mental? Was it a person? But this is sometimes what's lost is we spend so much time trying to figure out what it was and instead of how Paul responded to it. He uses a metaphor. This is not literal. Paul doesn't have the huge splinter in his body. It's, it's a metaphor that's used. And I like that he keeps it in this light because if he had said specifically what it was, you'd be able to understand it and maybe relate to it if it was something that you dealt with yourself. But all of us in here, listen to me, all of us have thorns in our life. All of us have struggles, and this is what we know about a thorn. A thorn is painful. A thorn's no fun. Who signs up for a thorn? God, give me a great thorn in my life. No one prays that prayer. But Paul gives us instructions of what to do when you have attacks in your life. Where do you lean when attacks come? And I want to just give you just a few thoughts here. I believe God's going to help us and just take notes as, as I talk through this. Paul does three things. The first thing he does is Paul traced where the thorn came from. Paul traced where the thorn came from. Paul says that it was a messenger sent from who? From Satan. This is real important. Because if you believe that God is the author of chaos and pain and destruction, I promise you this, you will not lean on him. Paul says, this is of the devil. This thorn, this pain in my life, it's a worker of Satan. Sometimes, though, we blame God for things that God is not responsible for at all. And this is what happens, my friend. When you start to blame God for things that go wrong in your life, you start to turn your back on him. And you start to pursue other things. When God says, hey, when a thorn comes, it's not a time to lean away from me. It's a time to lean on me. Our God's the author of life and not death. He's not the thief. He's the provider. He's not your adversary. He's your advocate. He's not the author of disease. He's the author of healing. That's who my God is. Come on, if you believe that at all of our campuses, why don't you clap your hands right now? That's who he is. You ever, you ever been blamed for something that you didn't do? 
Man, that's the worst, isn't it? Everybody just thinks you did it, and you're like, man, I'm innocent. It wasn't me. We had this dog. I talked about him once before. I try not to think about him often. He was, he was unruly. I love dogs. Don't, don't get mad at me. I love dogs. You got a dog, God bless your soul. I love dogs. But this dog I did not love or like. And he was terrible. I mean, he was terrible. He, I won't go into it, but he just was, he was like a little demon. It's terrible. And, and I remember it was, it was terrible what happened. Dobbs was his name. Dobbs passed away. Dobbs died. It got real quiet in here right there. <laughs> that wasn't a good ending, was it? Dobbs passed away. My kids are convinced that I did away with Dobbs. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, they are fully convinced that I took Dobbs out. I remember when Dobbs passed away. I, was, I didn't like him, I'm telling you. But I was so sad when he passed away. It was terrible when he died. I cried. I literally cried when Dobbs passed away, and I did not like him. But my kids, whenever you get those time hops, you know, on your phone, it shows pictures like years ago, and a time hop of like Dobbs will come up. When that comes up, they just look at me and they shake their head. I'm telling you, you ask my kids, hey, what happened to Dobbs? They'll say, Daddy killed Dobbs. I'm blamed for something I did not do. You know what? They do not even want to talk to me about Dobbs. They don't want to talk about any dog to me because they assume I don't like any dog because they blame the wrong person. Can I tell you, don't blame God when a storm comes. Don't point your finger at God and say, God, how could you? God is so good that he is in control of all things. It's a big theological question to ask. Is God in control? And the answer simply is absolutely yes. If he's not in control, then guess who is? Somebody else. The devil's in control, and that ain't true. God is in control, and he allows some things, but God is not the author of chaos and destruction. He's the author of life. He's the author of life. The Bible says this in James chapter 1, verse 17. I love this scripture. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? Above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Can I give you some good news this morning? God's love for you is not contingent. His love for you is consistent. You might have had the worst week of your life behaviorally, and he wants to clean you up. That's not an excuse to continue to live that way, but God will pursue you right where you are. His love and his grace know no bounds. He will come after you like a father after a wayward child, a wayward son, a wayward daughter. He's not looking to get back at you. He's looking to save you and rescue you. Don't blame God and turn to other things. The first thing is that Paul did is that he traced back where it came from. Blame the devil for what's the devil. I'm not saying everything as bad as always the devil. The devil's not omnipresent. The devil's not omnipotent, meaning all-powerful. He's confined, but he does work, and his demons do work. And yes, we do believe in spiritual warfare at this church. And you cannot fight spiritual warfare with physical means. You gotta go after it in the spirit. You gotta speak life over situations. You gotta go after Jesus. Go after the one who can solve the problem. Go after the one who can meet the need. But blame the devil. Don't blame God. Rusty Domain's part of this church, and he, he's, he's a character. And I heard him one time say this, and I don't say it, but I think it's funny. 
He says, I blame everything bad on the devil. He said, my kids would be around something happened. He would say, that's the devil. And he said, I said, Rusty, why do you do that, man? The devil didn't give you a flat tire. And he says, oh, I was the devil. He really believes it, I think. But he says, I do that because I want my kids to associate disaster with him and not with God. And when something good happens, I hit my knees and I say, God, you're worthy. I give you praise and honor for this because every good and perfect gift comes from above. Come on, if you believe that, can you clap your hands this morning? Everything good comes from him. Second thing he did is Paul took, Paul took it to God. It says that he prayed three times. Now watch this, this is very important. The word that's used, it says that Paul pleaded with God. When was the last time you pleaded before the Lord? I'm not talking about some passive little prayer. Oh, God, do something about this thorn. And you just move on. Man, I'm telling you, Paul went to the throne room. And as a church, and every single campus that's watching, those of you who are watching online, we've got to be a people who seek after God. It's amazing. Sometimes who I'll go to and what I'll go to for a solution that they are incapable of providing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm thankful for people. I, God gives us people. I'm in a small group, and these guys have transformed my life, and God uses people. But if something is more powerful than you, you have to take it to the one that's more powerful than it. Instead of posting more, maybe we should pray more and seek the face of the one who could do something about what we're walking through. And I wonder, when was the last time you pleaded to God? God, I need you. God, I'm dependent on you. God, I need you to show up in my situation. Lord, I don't understand what I'm going through, but I'm going to keep my face set on you. Let me ask you this question. I asked myself the same question this week. Is God your go-to? You ever heard when you watch somebody play football or basketball and the announcers are on there and they say, oh, it's time to go to the go-to players, the playmakers. What are they saying? We got to get the ball in the hands of the ones who can do something good in this situation. How many of you have a go-to restaurant? Anybody in here? You got a go-to. I love Pastor Johnny. Y'all love Pastor Johnny? Okay. We love him. Hopefully he's not here. God bless you, Johnny. I heard him in Ascension. They like you. <laughs> Pastor Johnny's go-to restaurant is Mi Padres. I'm telling you. Y'all don't like that either, I guess. <laughs> Anytime we go out to eat, I'm like, Johnny, where you want to go? Mi Padres. And he gets the same thing every time. The, the shrimp fajitas. With the melted butter. That sounds pretty good right now, doesn't it? He goes to everything. That's his go-to. I, I got go-to people in my life. Terry Olivia, Pastor Terry Olivia is one of the best at putting sermons together. Man, if I'm working on a sermon, I go to Pastor Terry. Terry, help me to think through this. When I need wisdom, listen to me, I need wisdom. I have a go-to person. My dad is who I go to for wisdom. I love going to my dad for wisdom, but there are certain things in your life that there is only one go-to, and it's not a... a of money, it's not a possession, it's not even a person. And sometimes we try to lean too heavily on people who cannot sustain us. I'm preaching right now, you'll help me a little bit. And I'm thankful, man, you, some of you, hopefully you like your spouse. 
We don't like Johnny. We don't like our spouse. Sometimes we lean on our spouse as if they're God. They ain't God. Lean on the rock of salvation. Paul said, I pleaded before the Lord. I came to him. God was Paul's go-to. Man, let God be your go-to. And here's the thing, it can't be in theory only. It's gotta be in practice. And I hear a lot of people, oh yeah, man, God's my go-to. And people look at your life and they say, well, I don't see you going to him much. <laughs> Is he your go-to? Because every single thing you need comes from him. When the storm comes, I'm telling you, you better know who your go-to is before the storm. You want your marriage resurrected, you better go to the one who has resurrection power. You got a kid who's wayward, a kid who's addicted to drugs, you better go to the one who's able to save that child. You got a money situation, you go to the one who's a provider who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Is God your go-to? Is he your source? Is he your hope? And see, when you place everything in, my faith, my trust is in you. For Paul, he didn't point his finger at God and say, God, how could you? But he said, God, I'm coming to you. I'm telling you, if anybody could have pointed their finger and said, God, I don't like this, it would have been Paul. You talk about a man who was faithful. Y'all want to hear about what he did, what he went through? Paul says this, and just a chapter before, he said, I was shipwrecked three times. Three times, how do you ship, have a shipwreck three times? How's that even possible? He said, I was beaten with rods three times. That sounds terrible. I was whipped five times and each time 39 times. He said, I was stoned and left for dead. I was in prison. I've been without. I've been with plenty. He says, I've been through it all. How many of y'all experienced those things in your life? Not one of us in here. I've never been beaten with rods because of my faith. I've never been whipped because of my faith. I've never been stoned and left for dead because of my faith. But Paul was faithful. Not only that, Paul was faith-filled. This man, you know only 10 times in the Bible somebody was resurrected who died? Only 10 times, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Only 10 times did that happen. Most of them, Jesus did the resurrection. Paul resurrected a man. You talk about faith. Paul resurrected a man named Eutychus. What a name. <laughs> Paul was preaching. Eutychus was sitting on a windowsill on a second story. Eutychus falls asleep because the Bible says Paul went on and on preaching. <laughs> Some of y'all about to fall asleep right now. <laughs> falls out of the window, boom, and dies. <laughs> Paul had enough faith, enough love to go pray for that man who fell asleep and died during his message. That's a bad sermon right there. But Paul prayed for him, and his body came back to life. If anybody said, God, I don't deserve this, it would be Paul. But Paul doesn't say that. Paul says, God, I'm going to, and that's the last thing, I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to trust you in this. And this is a very important part for us, is trusting him with it. Because Paul prayed, watch this, three times. He pleaded three times, God, take this from me. God, take this from me. God, take this from me. And God said, my grace is sufficient. You know why Paul prayed three times? 
is he didn't like the answer he got the first time. I'm serious. Why else would you pray for something three times when God gave you the answer? I mean, y'all pray for things sometimes and God gives you a different direction. You're like, God, I don't like that. I mean, you prayed for opportunities, a door to be open. You're like, God, this is the door. And he says, nope, this is the door. And you say, no, God, I don't think you understand doors very well. This is the door. And he says, nope, this is the door. And we ask God for things. And sometimes he has a different plan for our life than we do. How many of you know his ways are higher than our ways? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And Paul says, God, remove it. And God says, my grace is sufficient. I was thinking about that word sufficient this week. That's not even an awesome word. Y'all know what I mean? Sufficient? When was the last time you were bragging on something, you said it was sufficient? (laughs) If your spouse goes to the store, buys food, makes you an incredible meal, sit down at the table, you eat, they say, hey, how was it? You look at them, you say, well, it was sufficient. (laughs) That's the last meal you're going to get in a long time. (laughs) I promise you that. My mom's a great encourager. I, I love her. Man, if I need to be encouraged, I go to mom. I go to Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike is a great encourager. I can't imagine going to them after a sermon, like, hey, how to do today? And them just saying, eh, it's sufficient. <laughs> you read that and you think, man, my grace is sufficient, really, God? That's what you got for me? I got this thorn I'm pleading with you to take away, but you're telling me, Your grace is sufficient. That's not what I want to hear, but this is what it is in the Greek. It's not this idea of that it's just okay. When God uses the word sufficient in this text, it means it's everything you need. Everything you need to make it through. Every single thing you need. Paul prayed God, remove it. And sometimes God does remove it. I've had things in my life I've prayed for, and God, boom, he, he did it. How many of you have had that in your life before? But sometimes God doesn't remove it, but he redeems it. And hear me, his redeeming power is no joke. He can take something that the enemy meant for destruction. And he has a way, by his grace that is all sufficient, of turning that thing around for his glory. Some of you walk through some things in your life and you think, man, what's the purpose of this pain? Everything as a believer that you walk through, good and bad, because God is the orchestrator of all things. He's not the God of chaos, but he's the God who redeems. Every pain that you go through, will have a purpose. There's not one thing that's wasted. God, I don't like this. There's something in my life right now I have been praying for for years. God, I don't like it. And it's okay to be honest with God. You don't have to act like something you're not. You don't like it. Be honest. I don't like it. But I promise you this, he will be with you and he will be for you. 
not just on the mountaintop, my friend, but in the valley, he is with you. And you don't have to walk through things alone. The thorn will cause you to lean. Paul says, God, remove this from me. But nevertheless, nevertheless, God, I will learn from you. He wanted a solution. God gave him his sufficient grace. Hear me in here. All of you watching online and at campuses, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, you can lean on him. You can cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. And I'll close with this verse. This is what, we already read this, but I love it. Verse nine, if you guys could look there, verse nine. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is what Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Let me tell you something. The enemy will not win. Somebody needs to hear that today. The enemy will not win. He thinks the messenger sent from Satan. Oh, I got them now. I'm going to derail and distract them. But when you lean on God, even with the thorn, something starts to rise up in you that wasn't there before the thorn. And Paul recognized, I needed this thorn in my life. I don't like it, but I needed it. And God will use it for his glory because where I am weak, my God is strong. When you think you've got it all together, you know what you start leaning on? You start leaning on yourself. And you will not be able to be sustained on your own strength, your own ability, your own power, your own intellect, your own charisma, your own business savvy. I don't care how good you are. Your marriage cannot make it on yourself. Your business cannot make it on yourself. But when you say, God, I don't have some things, but God, you do. And I'm going to look unto you. I'm going to go after you. I'm going to lean not on my own understanding, but in all of my ways acknowledge you. And you will direct my path. Come on, do you believe that today? Let's give him praise in here. That's our God. Leaning on him. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.